Section 26 of The Age of the Condottieri by Oscar Browning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 12 Leo X, Part 1. The conclave for the election of the new pope met on March 5, 1513. The time of meeting had been hastened to prevent the interference of the schismatic cardinals and the outbreak of tumults in Rome. The twenty-five cardinals who were present were divided into two groups, the old and the young. The first might think of electing Raffaello Riario, sister's son, to Sixtus IV, the cardinal whom we remember as a young man struck forever with a deathly paleness by his presence at the conspiracy of the Pazzi in Florence. The younger party, however, were determined to choose Giovanni de' Medici, he had indeed weighty claims. His house was illustrious and wealthy. He was the enemy of France. His character was good according to the standard of those times. He was a great patron of literature and art, and was known to be remarkably generous. His palace was the centre of the Italian culture of the late Renaissance, and he turned no one away without a gift. He was only thirty-seven years of age, but he was known to have an incurable disease. He was elected without difficulty on March 10th, as the other party withdrew their opposition, and took the name of Leo X. The title was singularly inappropriate. There was nothing of the lion in that soft, gentle, and self-indulgent nature. His election was, however, hailed with joy throughout Italy. It was regarded as the beginning of a golden age, his first act was to appoint as his secretaries Bembo and Sadolitis, the most distinguished Latinists of the age. He chose April 11th, the anniversary of his capture at the Battle of Ravenna, for the day of his coronation and of his solemn procession and ride from the Vatican to the Lateran Palace. A more splendid spectacle had never been seen in Rome, at least in later days. The vassals of the church were all assembled, the Duke of Urbino, Alfonso of Este, Duke of Ferrara, the hero of Ravenna. Leo rode on the white Arab steed which had carried him in the day of battle. The streets were decorated with the full magnificence of the pagan Renaissance. The talent of Raffaele and his scholars was at Leo's disposal to devise statues, inscriptions, and triumphal arches some of the finest statues of antiquity were set up before the houses ganymedes apollos figures of bacchus and venus the fountains flowed with wine servants scattered gold and silver among the crowd a lofty arch erected by the banker agostino chigi bore this inscription olim habuit cupria sua tempora tempora maiores olim habuit sua nunc tempora palus habat love and war have had their time wisdom now claims hers a delicate allusion to alexander julius and leo the pope must have smiled still more when he saw that close by this arch a goldsmith had placed a statue of venus with this legend in better latin mars huit et palis cupria semper ero lust indeed was not likely to fail in the court of the renaissance when after a passage of many hours the procession arrived at the lateran 
the palace was found guarded by a joint battalion of colonna and orsini the beginning of leo's reign was certainly auspicious he set free from prison niccolo machiavelli and niccolo caponi his father's biographer who had been confined since the conspiracy of the boscoli he recalled the exiled soderini from ragusa he wrote to his brother giuliano and to the king of france that the dearest wish of his heart was union and peace among the princes of christendom the schismatic cardinals carvajal and san severino surrendered themselves and all the states of europe declared their obedience except france still the situation was full of anxiety the two pressing needs of leo x were to preserve intact the inheritance of julius and to keep the king of france away from italy war was not long in breaking out two leagues or alliances stood opposed to each other face to face the league of blois signed in march fifteen thirteen between louis the twelfth and the venetians for the recovery of milan and the league of mechlin or malin between henry the eighth and maximilian to which spain and the pope afterwards gave their adhesion among the objects of this league were to defend milan and the church and to attack the king of france in his own country swiss mercenaries the best infantry of those days were to be hired with papal gold the war began and was destined to continue for a long time milan was the prize of victory and its possession seemed to determine the mastery of the world the struggle was fought out in the broad plains of lombardy where swiss infantry french men-at-arms spanish arquebusiers italian cavalry and artillery and german landesknechts wrestled together in endless conflict the battle of novara was fought on june sixth fifteen thirteen the french generals trivolzo and la tremouille were completely beaten and were compelled to repass the alps dominicianus forza was established in the possession of his capital at the same time louis the twelfth was being hard pressed by the english in his own country on august sixteenth was fought the battle of spurs which cost the french the possession of picardy swiss troops were also laying siege to dijon these reverses induced louis to make peace with the pope in december fifteen thirteen he solemnly renounced the schism of pisa and gave in his obedience to leo x as the rightful occupant of the holy see such was the brilliant close of the first year of leo's reign it soon appeared that in the matter of nepotism leo would be little better than his predecessors the court of rome which had been in turn spanish and ligurian became florentine leo made his brother giuliano and his nephew lorenzo the son of piero patricians of rome and he seemed anxious to create for his brother a principality in central italy he raised to the cardinalate giulio the bastard son of his brother giuliano after falsely declaring his legitimacy and thus paved the way for his becoming pope under the title of clement the seventh it ought to be mentioned that in the spring of fifteen fourteen pope leo exercised for perhaps the last time the function which has long been accorded to the holy see when the world was not yet divided between catholic and protestant 
of being the supreme referee of disputed questions between the sovereigns of europe and the enforcer by spiritual means of the sanctions of international law at this time the progress of maritime discovery was chiefly due to the enterprise of spain and portugal there was some danger of their conflicting claims clashing and producing a serious european war alexander the sixth had therefore either as the acknowledged arbiter in such questions or because all newly discovered islands were held to belong to the pope drawn an imaginary line between the conquests of the two countries with the idea that one should pursue their discoveries to the east and the other to the west the ships of the two nations had however unexpectedly met on the other side of the globe and a new arrangement became necessary pope leo received a portuguese embassy with tristan d'acuna at its head bearing the treasures of the east to lay at the pontiff's feet an elephant was now seen in europe for the first time since the destruction of the roman empire leo solemnly secured to the portuguese the possession of the lands which they had discovered and made an award which was calculated to prevent disputes in future the history of italy now becomes involved with those struggles for the balance of power in europe with which we are familiar in modern times the defeat and death of king james the fourth of scotland at flodden field on november ninth fifteen thirteen deprived louis the twelfth of an important ally this led to his making peace with ferdinand at the close of fifteen thirteen with maximilian in the treaty of orleans in march fifteen fourteen and with henry the eighth in the treaty of london august ninth fifteen fourteen louis was anxious to marry his daughter to the young archduke charles but it did not suit leo's purpose that france and the empire should be so closely connected and the marriage did not take place wolsey on his side was anxious for an alliance between france england and the pope against spain and the empire and with this view louis the twelfth married mary the sister of henry the eighth just at the time of the peace of london but this marriage had no result louis died a few months afterwards and was succeeded by his nephew francis i on january first fifteen fifteen leo was too cautious to commit himself he saw that the strength of the papacy lay in holding a just balance between france and spain he even secretly encouraged an alliance between spain the empire the swiss and milan for the defence of that duchy with two leagues before him he was able to join whichever he pleased at another time he sent a nuncio to the venetians to detach them from the french alliance they replied that they were well disposed to the pope but that it was for his advantage to be on good terms with france because it might assist him in claiming the kingdom of naples for his brother giuliano francis i was now twenty years of age a brilliant prince full of ambition the world had seldom seen two such monarchs side by side as francis i of france and henry the eighth of england a third was soon to be added to them in the person of charles v on his succession francis assumed the title of duke of milan and asserted his claim to that duchy with the object of enforcing it he renewed the alliance with england and venice leo was in hesitation as to which side he should take giuliano had just married filiberta of savoy which seemed to favour the french alliance 
and if Francis would have given Naples to Giuliano in exchange for Milan, it is possible that Leo would have joined him. But Francis wished to keep Naples for himself, and so, in July 1515, Leo definitely joined the alliance between the Empire and Spain. At the same time, he made Wolsey a cardinal in the hope of detaching Henry from the French alliance. The strength of the League consisted of 30,000 Swiss soldiers, whom Machiavelli calls the masters of modern warfare. But the French were successful against them, Frio Ulozzi crossing the more southern passes of the Codian Alps with his heavy artillery, surprised Prospero Colonna and defeated his army, so that the frightened Leo cried for peace. Francis I, in person, marching from Turin, advanced against the Swiss. A battle raged at Marignano between Milan and Pavia for two days, September 13th and 14th, 1515, at the end of which the French were victorious and the Swiss infantry lost its prestige forever. Milan passed into the hands of the conqueror. Francis might now, if he had pleased, have advanced to the conquest of the rest of Italy, with better hopes of success than Charles the Eighth, But he was afraid to have his two rival powers of England and the Empire in his rear. The terrified Pope hastened to change his policy. He met Francis at Bologna on December 8th, where he held a conference which lasted two days. His passage through Florence rivaled his brilliant entry into Rome. For this occasion, the unfinished facade of the cathedral was temporarily completed by Sansovino and Andrea del Sarto. Francis assumed an attitude of humility. He had the assurance to tell Leo that he had journeyed over mountains, woods, rivers, and streams of fire, and made his way through the legions of the Swiss, only to submit himself in lowly reverence to the godlike man. He laid his power, his riches, his army, his fleet, his kingdom, and himself at the feet of his holiness. The result of the meeting, however, did not correspond with these professions. The Pope had to surrender Parma, Piacenza, Reggio, and Modena, and to content himself with the Duchy of Urbino. Francis also took the opportunity of extracting from the Pope a concordat, which has since formed the basis of the liberties of the Gallican Church. By this, the King of France had the right to nominate two vacant sees, while the Pope received the revenues during the first year. In accepting these terms, Leo perhaps chose the best way out of his many difficulties, but all hope of driving the French from Italy was lost. On March 17, 1516, Giuliano de' Medici, Duke de Nemours, died. The Pope transferred his interest to his nephew Lorenzo. King Ferdinand the Catholic had died previously on January 23rd. After he had secured the unity of Spain by the expulsion of the Moors, the ruling principle of his life had been antagonism to French ambition, which he believed with some justice would never be satisfied with anything short of the empire of the world. Ferdinand was succeeded by his grandson, Charles I of Spain, Charles V of Germany, a youth of sixteen. It was probable that before long he would also succeed to the dominions of his paternal grandfather Maximilian, who was now growing old, and this union of possessions would make him the most powerful monarch in Europe. 
the war which had been begun by the league of cambrai now came to an end and after an eight-year struggle italy might hope for quieter times on august sixteenth the treaty of noyon was signed between francis henry the eighth and charles by which the fate of italy was left undecided this was followed by the treaty of brussels signed on december third by which verona was surrendered to the french and by them handed over to the venetians before this on november twenty ninth the thirteen swiss cantons had made the perpetual peace of fribourg with the french End of section twenty six